Before we get started, we just wanted to read a quick disclaimer. First and foremost, this is a comedy slash true crime podcast. We are a few guys who like to laugh and crack jokes. We understand the nature of the topic is very disheartening and grim, but our aim here is to bring to light these real-life situations so you, the listener, can be more aware of your surroundings and hopefully laugh alongside with us. We will not make jokes about the victims or the families impacted by the unfortunate situations, but we will make jokes about the perpetrator or anywhere we see fit. If you don't believe people should be joking about this subject, or if you are expecting a more serious retelling of the event, or if you do not like commentary and banter on the subject, then this is not the podcast for you. Hello, and welcome back to Bloodthirsty Times, a podcast about the weird and macabre. My name is Octavio, and today I am all alone because Will is out in Vegas. And that means this episode will be way different. And also, it is currently, I am currently in the middle of a hurricane. Like, literally right now. So, there's that. Anyways, grab your fishing poles and join us in these bloodthirsty times. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. They are a product of the times, and these are bloodthirsty times. Yeah, so today, like I said, it'll just be me, and uh, I kind of have a special treat for everybody. Uh, today will be, uh, I have real, like, sources. That's pretty exciting. I got to talk to people who actually know people involved in this incident. Um, so, like, if uh, if you follow us on social media, uh, you'll have seen that the picture that I took after my shift at the shipyard uh, is of the it's a place called the Lighthouse Park in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Uh, I didn't explain anything in the picture uh, or the post at all, um, but I just kind of took a picture of the place where it happened. So it's like across, if you look at the picture I posted, it's across the way from where I was sitting. What was that? What? Uh, uh, huh? Hey, who, who hey. is that? Hey, where am I? Is that? Who are you? Is this Drex? <laughs> How did you get in here? Did <laughs> who's Drex? <laughs> this, so a little while ago, this dude named Drex broke into our studio, crashed through our window, and destroyed some guy's car. And you sound just like him. Perhaps it is me. Perhaps it is not. Um, so it is I, everybody. <laughs> hey. It is me. I am the guy. I, howdy doody. <laughs> howdy doody. I'm the man. Uh, yes. Uh, so, yeah, just kind of like uh, Octavia was, uh, you know, giving a brief little intro there. So, Brian no longer exists. Neither does Drex. I am your conscience, Octavio. I am inside Ooh. of your mind. You are You're all always alone. inside me. <laughs> if you were Ant Man or versus the, 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 the mask. <laughs> Who would you be? <laughs> Ant-Man, dude. Oh, yeah. Get up in there. So that's so exciting. So what's up, Lynn? Nothing, dude. How are Literally. things going over here in this eight-foot story building? Uh, things are good. We had to replace that window. It's very expensive. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, you know, how how did you get in here, though? Uh, what, the first time or the second time? <laughs> first time. <laughs> 
Uh, well, okay, so... Did Cletus show you how to get in here? It's a little, kind of. That's where I got the idea from. It uh -huh. was, uh, you know, I, I kind of uh, was wondering. I mean, like, it's a pretty, like, it's a it's like a castle you guys got here at this mm -hmm. uh, Bloodthirsty Studios. So, um, you know, how Cletus, 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 <laughs> his name is Aphiliastically Cletus. So, uh, yeah, it was basically just, uh, you know, kind of, you know, test the doors and, you know, everything down, you know, did you the jiggle lower levels were pretty, you know, yes, I, I jiggled many handles <laughs> jiggled and handles. Uh, this one was pretty loose. And so I just, uh, you know, decided to test my luck and got in that way. And then uh, your 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 windows need some reinforcing as well. So, yeah, just give me a little there. bit of security tips. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. <laughs> so, you, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, we, this is a, uh, would be one of your episodes anyway, is, uh, oh. an Awians episode. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I was just telling the audience before you got here yeah, yeah. that, uh, I took a picture and posted it on our socials. It's a, of a park and there's like a bridge in the background. There's like a river and across the way from the river where I'm standing is where the abduction actually took place. So after work, oh. I went to this place where this actually happened. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, is that that was that picture that you posted then? Yeah, yeah, with the with the gazebo and whatnot. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just, yeah, I just on the post I was pretty vague on purpose. I was like, I took a side mission after my shift at work. Mm -hmm. You know, it's pretty vague. Yeah. And that, that's I thought why. that was kind of weird. I was like, oh yeah. well, maybe he's just kind of like, oh, I'm gonna go sightseeing. I do that every <laughs> once in a while, but yeah, it's like, no, there's an actual purpose behind yeah, it. Yeah, there's a purpose yeah. behind it. Yeah, yeah, someone actually got kidnapped there <laughs> by aliens. Yeah, by aliens. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, so that is the location of one of the most well-documented and gnarly cases of UFO abduction in American history. Hmm. Um, I wanted to go after work because that's exactly what two men did on October 11th, 1973. These two men were 42-year-old Charles Hickson and 19-year-old Calvin Parker. I wanted to go visit the actual area and look across the water and see the location of abduction to get like a feel for the area myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like just be there and just think like when I was there, I was like, man, this is crazy. I'm standing like in the area where an actual alien abduction happened. You know, isn't it crazy to think like in not just pertaining to you know, these kind of like folklore or like alien abduction cases, you know, but even more than that, too, like that's kind of what interested me about like traveling overseas and just like older, older cities in general, because there's mm. just so much history. Like, yeah. I don't know if you've seen these uh, like these recreation pictures that are posted online where somebody will have a photo of like the modern times of like like half of the photo will show what it looked like back in like the 1800s or like the or early 1900s and then it'll be like right next to the modern city what it looks like now yeah i like that and i think the one of the famous pictures like that is uh, pyramids at giza with like pizza hut in the foreground oh yeah <laughs> well that's yeah i was thinking more like world war ii world war one sort of stuff but oh, yeah like yeah. that's no that's exactly what i'm talking about too it's it's always kind of crazy to uh, you know, like, man, this is, you know, a bunch of people fucking died right here, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's fucking... why I wanted to go there. Cause like, it's yeah. one thing we, we researched many things is we've done 30 episodes yeah. of this show. And so we've researched many things, but it's one, it's a whole nother thing to be like, I'm standing where this happened. Yeah. Like it's a nutty feeling. I'm Ugh. like, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. That's kind of why I go to Skinwalker Ranch. I, that's on my bucket still, list, man. It's still to it go there. still there, dude. Like, I'm going to go there be like, man, this is where, 
this fucking story happened. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Just that what this this shit happened. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> right shit here. went down right here, right now. Right, right in this spot, right here. But watch out for those blue orbs, dude. They're not nice. Yeah, no blue orbs. No blue orbs. You got to watch out for uh, weird smelling sulfur things. Mm, <laughs> Just true. Yeah, sounds all right. right yeah, here. <laughs> <laughs> The wheeze is back. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh, okay. Anyway, so like, yeah, like I said, I wanted to go be where they were, but like, not only that, but like, I actually assumed that the guys worked at the same shipyard I do. Mm -hmm. So I started asking around to the old timers that work there, you know, they've been there 40 years or whatever. Yeah. And uh, just, Hey, did you know these guys? And some were like, yeah, I knew of them, but I never met them, but it turns out they didn't even work where I worked. Hmm. They, it was a whole different shipyard it was near where I work, but it's not where I work. Um, oh, so there's like multiple shipyards over by where you live. Or? Oh, dude, there's there's like six or something like that. Like there's oh, a wow. lot of them. Yeah, oh, sure. we're just the, we're just the biggest one. And the other shipyards don't build like oh. military vessels like we do. Oh, ship. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so what were they saying about these old timers that they knew them, but whatever? Uh, yeah, they didn't really know much about him. Like no one really knew. But thanks to my father-in-law. So shout out to my father-in-law. Mm -hmm. He actually put me in touch. He gave me the phone number. Of someone who has worked directly with the younger guy, Calvin, for a long time. Hmm. Um, and he, like, she's like his um, press, uh, like, book. Like, he did a book and she set up the, like, book signings and the book meet and greets. Okay. And stuff yeah. like that. So she knew him personally. Okay. Kind of like a manager for uh, an author or something. Yeah, 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 just like that. Okay. Um, so my father-in-law put me in contact with uh, her and her husband, who knew this guy, and they were telling me all of. I talked to them for a good a little more than half an hour. Just I was just asking them questions, and like they were telling me stuff about uh, Calvin himself, and it was just really interesting, you know, to have a instead of reading a book, you're someone's actually telling you who knows the actual story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's pretty cool. It's, it's a whole new you know, direction of doing this show that I really enjoyed, honestly. The investigative journalism. Octavio the journalisms. Dun dun. Dun dun. So uh, I moved here in 2012. Um, and when I first moved here, uh, the only person I knew was my roommate. So I didn't really go out much unless we were together. Mm -hmm. um, so to pass the time while he was at work, I watched a lot of TV, a lot of Netflix, stuff like that. Yeah. And I've always loved paranormal and episodes about mysterious sir oh wait hold on hold on let me try that one more time <laughs> i don't have the sound clip for that one so i gotta yeah, i gotta no, I, I wanted to do it live <laughs> do it do it. <laughs> do it live do it live fuck it fuck it all right i gotta i gotta put in like the echo and the reverb on it too so M -m mysterious mysterious circumstances as 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 bomb perfect thank there you nailed it fucking nailed it it was good man thank you <laughs> it even says it right here man thank you yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, nice. well anyways uh i remember watching a ufo show and i don't remember the name of the show but i, I do remember seeing dan Aykroyd telling me about like he was telling me all about one of his favorite cases of alien abduction that happened in mississippi and me being new to the area, I didn't quite realize that this all took place about half an hour away from where I was uh, sitting watching a show about it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So fast forward to today, yeah. and I still live about half an hour away from where this infamous case took place. But okay. now I work about, uh, I don't know, two minutes away, give or take, from where this abduction actually happened. Nice. Uh, but not only that, dude. Not only that. I have actually seen a few strange lights in the sky myself. 
Nice. Like, yes. were they swirlies or were they blue orbs or were I'll, they? I will look. Just uh, 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 the anticipation is killing me, Octavio. You can't keep me in suspense forever. Okay, I won't. So All I right. start work at about 6 a.m. That's when my shift starts. So I have to be there well before then. Okay. And it takes me about 35 minutes to get to work. And there's like 11,000 people that work there. So if That's I don't want to walk, yeah. So if I don't want to walk like a mile or more, I have to leave my house at 3.50, 3.55 a.m. Okay. to get there and get a good parking space. Fuck which, that shit, by the way. Right. Which <laughs> means I wake up at 3 a.m. to go to work. Every day to go to work, I wake up at 3. Yep. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is that it's hella dark when I leave my house. Yeah. And, uh, and it, when I make my drive up to work, um, a few occasions, I can remember actually two different occasions. I saw some strange lights up in the sky that I just can't explain. There's just nothing that I have seen that would tell me what it is. Yeah. And um, the first time was a bright green sky. Uh, I mean, bright green light up in the sky, like like super bright, like neon green. And it looked like it was falling out of the sky. And all of a sudden it stopped. And, you know, while it was falling, it was leaving a streak of like neon green in the sky. Mm. And it was so it was like a like a line in the sky. And then it stopped. And then it hovered there for a few minutes. And then all of a sudden it made like a zigzagging shape going up and down and then took off. And it was just gone after that. It was just gone. The light was just completely gone. Uh, The second time was when I was actually walking through the gate at work and I looked above the giant TVs that tell us about stuff that's going on at work, you know, news of the day. And I looked above that and I saw a bright blue light hovering above the island behind the shipyard that I work at. Um, And also that island, I'm pretty sure is owned by the Navy. But I was about to say, you guys got islands over there. Oh, dude, we got all kinds of islands like right behind where I work. There's Cat Island. There's uh, Singing River Island. There's Deer Island, stuff like that. Um, Yeah, so there's a bunch of them back there. Um, Anyways, uh, that island directly behind where I work is I think it's owned by the Navy and like the Coast Guard is there as well. And so this light was like blue and it kind of made the same shape as the green light where it kind of zigzagged up and down. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden just zoomed off. But it it kind of the way it was hovering, it looked like it was looking at or for something. You know what I mean? Like zigging, zigzagging back and forth, like trying to find something. Right. And like like I said, that's a navy owned island. So it's you know what were they looking for? You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I've just seen I've seen myself a few crazy lights in the area. That's just kind of you know, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, like in in past episodes as well. But you know, considering where you work, because again, like your your occupation, you work for a defense contractor that builds uh, like U.S. Navy warships, right? You know, like you're mm-hmm. building giant fucking boats for the U.S. Navy. Yeah. Um, and considering that, do you think like you know? you said that they might be looking for something in the mm-hmm. past. There's always been sightings kind of near or by like air force bases or like right. telecommunications arrays. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it might have something to kind of do uh, with it? The lights that I saw for sure. Um, and I think uh, people have, uh, I've heard a lot of stories. Different people have seen different stuff in the area. And I, because it, we are, cause it's 800 um, acres of, ships being built i mean four different or five different types of classes of ships and every Ugh. year every iteration um the <laughs> sorry that was very loud <laughs> i thought i had muted myself when I did <laughs> it's the alien it's the aliens guys they're here you're just, you're just out of practice man it's been a couple episodes <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Yeah, so we have every ship iteration, every new ship, it gets more and more technologically advanced. So, right. you know, 
Yeah, it could be. It could be. That's crazy, man. That's fucking crazy. Well, yeah, yeah. I just always notice that there seemed to be some sort of like correlation with something. Yeah, I mean the Rendell Sim. I mean even uh, what's that? Uh, Rose. What's the famous one? What? Are you okay? Yeah, that was my chair. But the um, <laughs> no, yeah, I swear. But uh, yeah, there was a, there was a few like, of them. I mean, like uh, Montauk 51. Hero, yeah. uh, Camp Hero, Montauk mm-hmm. Project, uh, Plum Island. That's kind of why I was like. Uh, you know, very curious about because I mean, it's been very well known. Like Bikini Atoll, like those are mm-hmm. those are actual uh, like U.S. Air Force bases and just uh, government-owned islands that they do testing on. Like for instance, uh, the Bikini Atoll was like where they did a lot of like atom bombs. Like they tested a lot of nuclear weapons there. So it's just kind of interesting that you know you're seeing things very very early in the morning and mm-hmm. it's, you know right by your where you work which is yeah. a, a well-known like weapons sort of right network. exactly i think i think they are curious about what we're capable of i think mm-hmm. yeah so uh let's jump into this story huh yeah for sure let's do it so on october 11th 1973 after their shift at fb walker a local shipyard two co-workers decided they would go fishing charles hickson and calvin parker who were more than 20 years apart in age had known each other before they had worked together. You see, Charles was a good friend of Calvin's parents. So like, it wasn't weird that he would offer to take young Calvin fishing with them after work. I mean, hell, I, I cannot tell you how many times my coworkers have tried to get me to go fishing with them after work. I just don't do it. I'm a city kid. And mm. I'm not I'm not going fishing. Fishing is, uh, is a, I mean, there's been times where I'm like, eh, I'll, I'll try it. But again, like I'm more, again, kind of like you fishing and I mean, city life is definitely where you go to a show, catch a movie or something. Yeah. And like, they're like, oh, it's relaxing. I'm like, first of all, we live in <laughs> South Mississippi. It's humid and terrible. Yeah. And also Mosquitoes. Uh, that and I have to be um, alone with you, like on a boat or on a bank. <laughs> yeah, <don't> <laughs> exactly right. It's like, I don't know about all that. <laughs> it's just not for me, man. It's just not. So uh, these two, the day they went fishing, it was actually Calvin's, uh, it was after Calvin's first day at the shipyard. And he ended up working there because Calvin had asked Charles, which I think Charles was a foreman at the time. So like he had a little bit of pull. Um, He asked Charles if he could get him a job as a ship fitter there since uh, Calvin had recently been engaged and he wanted like a steady job that didn't require working seven days a week and 16 hours a day like he had been in the oil field. Fuck that shit. Dude. Yeah, no, fuck that shit. That's too much. I mean, yeah. money's nice, but uh, yeah. where's your life? Where's your quality of life? It's just, yeah. uh, it's dumb. That is their life. Capitalism, am I right? <laughs> You're goddamn right, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, during their lunch hour, Charles came up with the idea of going fishing after work. And Calvin was like, hell yeah, I'm down, bro. Yeah, exactly. So when they got to the fishing spot, um, the fish weren't really biting. Like they just weren't catching anything. It wasn't a really good spot. So they walked down like 15 minutes down the shoreline um, of what's called the Pascagoula River on the West Bank. Okay. And uh, they walked down to an old, um, they didn't, Calvin didn't know at the time, but um, Charles did. This was an abandoned shipyard and it was called Shaw Peters before, Shaw Peters Shipyard. Hmm. And there was debris everywhere um, since there was nobody taking care of the property. Like no one worked there, no one took care of it, no one owned it, or maybe they owned it, just didn't care. Um, and when there was high tide, the river would deposit all kinds of debris, like just 
trees and other things that you know float off and it would right. get stuck it would get stuck in the area so it's just like a bunch of stuff around yeah yeah and um you know when the waters would go away and recede the things would just stay there and it was just all around a mess calvin didn't know it was abandoned so calvin had asked why the area was so fucked up and charles was like oh this place is abandoned there's nobody that works here so young calvin was like is is this legal can we be here and Charles said, uh, hey, hey, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> but Calvin was still on edge because he felt they weren't supposed to be there. Yeah, now, I mean, yeah, that's, uh, and that's another thing, too, is like, I mean, I don't know how adventurous you were, like, you know, growing up out in Menifee and Sun City, but there were some spots like uh, every once in a while, we'll just we'll get like a crew together and be like, hey, there's a there's an old abandoned windmill over in Marietta. Let's go check oh, out yeah. this shit. Remember, remember that yeah, shit. Yeah, dude, I do remember. That's a yeah. flashback right there. Yeah, dude. So there was always times where it's like obviously it's it's old. You know, there's a lot of property damage. It's not safe to be in there at all. No. OSHA, OSHA would have a fucking field day with this. Yeah, so, they would. You know, we would always be like, oh yeah, let's just fucking let's let's go explore. And so it's like you know sunset, dusk, and it's like you know shit's getting real. Um, you know real dark and so you're hopping over these fences that are obviously like keep out this is private property and it's not because they don't want you to find something it's more because like if you go in there you'll probably step on a fucking right. rust, rusty ass nail and die or, or the banister will crash over you'll fall down a couple feet and hurt <laughs> yourself and then they're liable yeah and then you fall into a secret passageway that leads you into a fucking room where they abduct you did you actually go into that uh mill yeah yeah, I've been did in there a couple see, times. Did you see that hole in the ground that leads to who knows what? Um, no, I didn't see any holes. Yeah. There was like a, it was like covered with like a piece of wood, and if you lift it up, um, it's there's so, there's like a hole. Like it looks like it might be a room or something, but it's it's creepy. Oh, I didn't go All right. down there. I'm gonna have yeah. to go back. All right, I'm gonna make we're making a trip back <laughs> to uh, Marietta right now. Let's go. <laughs> All right, see you guys later. Bye. All right, bye. <laughs> Uh, so now, th this next little bit that I'm about to get into is all according to Calvin Parker much, much later in his life. Right. I think uh, the interview where he described all this is for like 2018, maybe 2019. Yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure it's 2018. Uh, and he says that they looked around for a good fishing spot and they followed an old pier near the overpass and they picked up a log and sat it down on the pier so they could have somewhere to sit while they fish. After a little while of just chilling and fishing, shooting the shit, whatever, Calvin's fears became a reality. Uh, behind him, um, coming from like the west, so behind him would be west, and he saw some blue hazy lights reflected in the water in front of him right. as they were approaching. And they're coming up fairly quickly. And he was like, Oh, fuck me. He <laughs> <laughs> was Irish, eh? <laughs> yeah, he he was sure that these were police blue lights and police are coming because he had yeah. just said like we're about to get in trouble because we're not supposed to be here. Yeah. So yeah. he's like, oh, these are blue police lights are coming, to, you know, and tell me that we can't be here or write me up or whatever they're going to do. Exactly. So so then as he saw the lights, he stood up in anticipation and he turned around. And when Charles noticed Calvin get up, Charles got up, too. So as they both turned around. Uh, back to the shore, they noticed the blue lights were actually like super incredibly bright, like so bright that it like blocked out like any identifying features uh, of anything. They couldn't see anything. They could just see the bright blue lights. Right. Uh, yeah. So they, yeah, gone. Sorry. Yeah, no, it was like there wasn't any, uh, it wasn't very distinguishing. Like the first thing that kind of comes to mind is um, 
the moment of detonation when it comes to like a a nuke is just so blindingly bright that you mm-hmm. don't know exactly where it's coming from. It's just so so much intense light mm-hmm. that it's that's all you could really see. There's no like outline of anything. You just see that. Yeah, it's almost like it makes you like dizzy. Like you can't think straight for a second. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like they couldn't tell who or what was coming towards them. They just saw blue lights. So just as Calvin was sure more than ever that the police were there with like a blind, there's like a blinding white light just appeared out of nowhere, like in the center of these blue lights. And he says that this light was so bright, it pretty much gave him a flash burn, which if you don't know what that is, it's a common injury for people who weld and is most commonly referred to as welder's burn or arc eye. Uh, I've had flash burn one time and I couldn't even open my eyes for like two days. It was, it was very painful. Like wow. it, it was not fun to have. It almost felt like um, pink eye. Like it's just constantly crying and yucky. Yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. That shit sucks. It does. So from inside the bright white light, they started to make out the shape of three figures coming from the light and moving towards the two men. Oh, fuck that shit already. Fuck that. They, they couldn't exactly see what these figures were that were coming from this blinding white light. They just saw some like dark spots, right? Yeah. So imagine that situation. I don't, dude. dude. I, I, that's what I knew. This story going over to that place, the pier that I went to, yeah. uh, and I knew this. And I would just picture them. I got the chills just looking over the water. It was like I, I would just cry. I don't know, shit my pants maybe. Yeah, I would shit in your pants and, too, man. Like that's the crazy part. Yeah. Will, if you're listening, you wouldn't be able to get away because there's nowhere to go. Yeah, okay? I would run you are away. Getting, you are getting abducted this time. Okay? Yeah, you're not getting out of this one. <laughs> You got away from the Ilkley Moore alien, not this one. I would just leave. You know, I actually have a very, very popular saying. It goes, predictable is preventable. Oh, yeah. You sure do, Drex the barber. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, uh, going back to this, like, if, for instance, like, if you got, first of all, the, the main thing is if you see a light that is that fucking bright to the point where you get flash burn, yeah, that's a pretty big fucking red flag right there. Okay, like, mm-hmm. what the hell is going on? And then... After, like, you know, you're getting used to the actual, the light itself, you start to see these really, like, these three dark figures inside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, all right, fuck that shit. I'm already dead. I'll kill myself right there. <laughs> you're not gonna, <laughs> no, they I won't can, kill me. I'll kill myself. You know, if on my own terms. Me, if I can't have me, no one can. <laughs> exactly, right. So by the time Calvin realized that the three figures were not human, they were right on top of them. And then all Calvin felt was intense fear, but there was nothing he could do because they were at the end of the pier, and that meant that there was water on three sides of him, and the direction of land was in the direction the beings were coming from. And just as he decided, just like Will, that he needed to run, two of these creatures grabbed a hold of Charlie, and the other one grabbed Calvin. And all he heard was like this sound, and he was frozen solid in place after the sound. How did that sound go again? Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> and uh, so the, the injection, it seemed to paralyze him, right? Yeah, yeah. It was just instantly paralyzed. And all he could move was like his neck and eyes. So he could turn his head and look, but that's about all he could do. And everything on his body was just not responding. But since he could move his neck and eyes, he could look directly at these beings. And um, he says that these were about five and a half feet tall. Mm -hmm. They did not have a neck. It was just kind of like head on top of shoulders. Oh, shit. 
Their skin was gray and wrinkled. He also noticed that their hands looked like they had mittens on them or like crab claws with like just two pincers. Huh. He also says they seemed pretty robotic. Like their their mouth is like a slit and it was just like a robot face type of like something about them seemed robotic and yeah, he couldn't yeah. really put his finger on it. Huh. That's very that's a very strange description that I right? <clears throat> when it comes actually, to something like this. It's actually unique in the alien world. Uh the, no other description has ever been anything like this before. Yeah, the first thing is a, a crab claw. So the first thing I think of was like, okay, maybe because of the area is is surrounded by water, perhaps like maybe it's something that evolved underneath the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing is like robotic. Okay, like okay, that just fucking threw everything out the window. Like what the yeah. hell, robots? Yeah, it's crazy. So it turns out that sound. <laughs> I guess there was some kind of injection. Uh, to, that they gave him. How did that? Uh, how did that? Injection? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's crazy is later on these injection sites, they, the police and the people who actually searched them found the injection markers. Like it was visible oh, on wow. both men. Huh. Um, and like, what's even weird is that after the injection, the intense fear Calvin had been experiencing, it just vanished. And like, even though he huh. was paralyzed and he knew he should be afraid, he just felt calm. So maybe it was just like some sort of like neurotoxin that was like just some heavy sedative, yeah, leading them to their death, like a fucking slaughterhouse, like the cows. Yeah, yeah, probably. So all of a sudden, both men were lifted about two feet off of the ground, and they began floating back towards the intense light. This uh, this kind of reminds me of Ilkley Moore right here because this is something similar to where they're just levitating off the ground and they're mm-hmm. just like being like come along human like so, you know leading them with like a, a balloon you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah just it'll be all right but like they were escorting them I think I think they said uh, the robot alien things never like used their legs I, you didn't say they didn't have legs you just said that they were like floating like at all times just kind of huh that's weird yeah. So as they were moving into the craft, they couldn't really make out anything at all. Like the blinding light was still intense, right? So Calvin looked for what the source of this intense white light could be. And once he got further into the craft, he noticed that the light seemed to be coming from inside the ship and it seemed to be the paint itself that was emanating the light. Hmm. So like almost the entire, like every surface was seemed to be emanating light. Like bioluminescence sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like super bright bioluminescence, yeah. yeah. So they continued floating further into the craft and they made a few turns and passed an open door where they finally ended up at what looked like a glass table. The beings laid Calvin on this glass table, then out from the ceiling, a small drone type thing dropped down and stopped in front of Calvin's face. This little drone thing began to scan around his head and then all over his body, all the while making like a clicking noise the whole time. And then once it went over his whole body a few times, it just shot right back up into the ceiling and disappeared. Huh. At the same time, the when it, at the same time that the, the little drone thing zipped back up into the ceiling, a different creature came out of the corner of the room, just kind of appeared. Mm-hmm. And Calvin says he's pretty sure this new being was female, and he has always described this thing as a she. So he no matter he doesn't know for sure. This is obviously some kind of alien creature, but he's always got the feeling that this was a female alien. Isn't that kind of strange how our mind kind of interprets, um, I guess, just creatures 
in general that mm-hmm. we have a, such a basic understanding of what a male and a female look like that something that is not of this world you know you can look at them and be like that's a girl <laughs> like <laughs> like there's there's certain things and it's so weird because we do the same thing with like animals as well as like that's that's a girl like you know yeah. it's so weird how we can our mind distinguishes between the two especially when it comes to something as alien as this like that's fucking crazy so literally literally aliens so as this alien as mm-hmm. she approaches he turns his neck <laughs> Sorry, to get a better look at her <laughs> You just keep going, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That, that, my friends, is called comedic timing. (laughs) Um, I was waiting for you to say so. I know. The fact that I didn't is funny. I'm explaining my jokes now. Anyways, as she approaches, he turns his neck to get a better look at her. Right. And he says he can definitely see, like, this time with the robot things, he couldn't really see, like, facial features. They are just kind of beings. But for her, he could definitely see distinctive facial features on this being. Uh, he, like I said, he didn't really notice them on the robot beings. He just, uh, he says that the female had more, like, traditionally human features, like an eyes, nose, mouth, ears, all these things that we would recognize on a regular a person. cloaca. <laughs> cloaca, yep. <laughs> he definitely saw her cloaca. <laughs> what if he he mistook like the uh, the the alien being as like a female thing, but it's actually like Orlando Bloom, <laughs> Legolas? Man, if you were like Legolas, it's all good, man. It's a green light for me. Nice. So he goes on to say that the most distinctive thing that he noticed uh, were her hands were strange, right? So he saw these weren't pincers, these weren't crab claws mittens things she had like kind of normal hands i guess but her two middle fingers were much longer than the rest of her fingers <laughs> i'm not even gonna go there <laughs> it gets just it gets worse hold on okay so um this being the lady alien reaches up and she touches calvin's face right and even though calvin knew for a fact that this lady being was currently touching his face he could not feel her touching his face. There was no feeling associated, zero sensation that he could feel when she touched him. Right, because he is still paralyzed, right? No, I mean, like... You, you know, like, he knew that she was touching him, but he couldn't feel her touching him. Like, there was no sensation associated with it. So it was really strange to him. Hmm. So, horrifyingly, the next thing that she did was put one hand on his jaw and force his mouth open and then took those two long middle fingers and inserted them into Calvin's mouth all the way back. Um, And he could feel her fingers curl upwards towards his nasal cavity. Fuck. And not only did this make his nose bleed, but he also started to feel like he was suffocating. I'm not, I'm not sure if this lady being realized she was choking him and blocking his air passage, but she took out her fingers and told him, we aren't here to harm you. Calvin was looking directly at this female creature, and when she said this, he noticed her mouth never moved, and he realized then she must have said this telepathically. It's also crazy that she said this in English, and even Calvin said he was surprised by the fact that she was speaking English in a female tone. 
right? Isn't that something that we were kind of thinking about last time? Like in Ilkley Moor, <laughs> how they they seem to have a perfect knowledge of like the the human language, and they were able to convey like mannerisms and hand gestures. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also very strange too. Like yeah, like they they have a very developed knowledge of English, and they're just able to perfectly convey what they're trying to express, which is nuts. Yeah, I think that, I genuinely think that's strange. I think coincidences. It's always, to me, one of the questionable factors of these alien stories. That's what I was like. Mm, yeah. It's kind of... Like, like, actually, like, I was about to say, like, do you think it's possible they do speak English? Or would someone who spoke Spanish or any other language have heard her voice in their language? Like, well, do you think it's tailor-made for whoever's listening? Po- well, I mean, obviously with something like... Let's say, let's say this story is true, for instance. And we do have these highly advanced uh, creature beings, you know onto a ship that are like, you know, they have drones, weird robotic alien creatures, and they began to speak to you telepathically without even speaking, like just by looking mm-hmm. at you. Um, obviously there is a level of like technology that's so advanced that they, you know, we can't even comprehend. The first thing I think of is like, we have, like we have, for instance, like Google Translate on the internet, on our mm-hmm. phones, like we have those things. What if they have like something like that but for each human or alien race like you know like it's already biologically built into them yeah like it's an implant or something you know like they that could be something that is like hey this is a human this is what the languages they speak in this region you know and then they just fucking talk to you (laughs) yeah so uh at this point after um she said that to him she backed up to the wall um, of the room they were in and made like a loud guttural throaty noise. It was really weird. And uh, seemingly in response, the robot alien creature came back in the room. And then Calvin heard another from yet another injection and he felt calm all over again. The robot picked him up again and the female, the female being backed out of the way and he was moved back out of the craft and back to where they had been picked up. And they were both set back down on the bank facing the water. And Calvin's hands were outstretched in front of him and Charles had fallen down. The paralysis wore off when Calvin heard Charles say, Calvin? Calvin? You okay, son? And as he came to, Calvin turned around and he happened to see the robot creatures go back into the craft they came from. And when they entered through the bright white light, the light disappeared with them and then Calvin could clearly see the blue lights he had originally seen. The craft then lifted up off the ground very quickly and then just shot up into the air and was gone in a split second. When it was gone, Charlie had said, You alright? Let's sit down and talk for a minute. The danger's over with. So that was what happened from the point of view of Calvin Parker. But what about what Charles Hickson said about this encounter? Well, instead of telling you about it, I'll just let Charles tell you himself. This clip we're about to play is uh, from an interview he gave a year and a half later in 1975. So this is Charles Hickson, 1975. We were sitting on the other side of the pier with our our feet, you know, over toward the river, fishing in in the river. And the fish still wasn't biting, so I told Calvin, I said, well, you know, we might as well go home. I guess that was when I heard it, it was some kind of zipping sound. And when I turned around, in this area out here, about 40 or 50 feet out there, uh, 
was some some kind of crap, you know. It was looked like it's going to come right onto the ground. But it, it came on down and hovered about oh, about a foot and a half or, or two feet off of the ground. We didn't know what to do, you know. Uh, the river behind us and and uh, that out there, not knowing what it was. So, and then before we uh, had time to really do anything, it seemed like an open appeared. Uh, toward the end, it was, you know, toward us. And the blue light, it had blue flashing lights as it was, you know, approaching the ground, but then they went out. And when the opening appeared, some source of light came from the inside. It was just almost blinding. Of course, we could see them in, in, the, in the opening coming from, you know, when it started out to crap. But did I you think it tell. was people coming out at first? Well, they, they had, they had uh, I, I kind of thought it was people at first, you know, off like that. But of course, when they, when they appeared there in, in front of me, um, it was the most shock I've ever had in my life. What, what did you see? Um, well, they, 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 were, they were shorter than me. I'd say about five foot two or three, and they didn't have a neck. The, the head, it seemed to come directly to their shoulders. And it had something uh, that came out to a point about where a, a nose would be, and, and on each side, the ears. And I believe that they looked like they were a little longer on the ears than the nose. But still pointed the They ears. were still pointing, yes. But it seemed to me when they came out that doorway, or that opening or whatever it was, then just almost instantly they were right there on us. And uh, their arms, they had arms, it, and I saw the arm moving here and, and in the shoulders. But they had welled. I mean, their their fingers were welled, and then they had something like a thumb, and they were like this. Mm -hmm. They had me uh, one on this arm like this, and on the other one, you know, they had my other arm like that. And they just, I just seemed to lift up to the same height they were off the ground, and and we just moved into the crowd. Now inside, how did they how did they lay you out? Do you remember how it happened? Um, uh, yes. Uh, they. I didn't see any tables or chairs or anything mm -hmm. in there. I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't in there because the light was almost blinding, but I didn't see any. And when they when they carried me inside, they seemed to, to just lean me back, you know. And uh, this this eye, well, I keep referring to it as an eye, and it moved up to, in front of me about this close, mm -hmm. and it started right at my eyes, looking me right in the eye. Uh -huh. And it seemed to, it hesitated there for a, a, a few seconds, and it just started moving over my entire body. When they, they brought me uh, from the craft at, at, along this area here, and they seemed to, they didn't drop me, you know, they just released me back to the ground, and uh, I fell. I, I don't know why my, my legs were weak. I don't know why it was the, the fright or what it was, but I, I fell onto the ground. And that's when I seen Calvin. He's standing right over here in this area, and he was standing facing the river with his arms outstretched like that, just like he was staring at something. I think there has to be a reason why that uh, Calvin and me was picked. Maybe because you could take it? Well, it might be. Uh, I don't know. I, th I think that they they know more of what's going on down here on this earth than we think. And I don't know. They might have been, you might say, looking for somebody that, uh, that could, uh, that could, you might say, hold up under the strain. And uh, and convince people that that uh, that that there is another world and there's some kind of life on that world. Yep, crazy stuff, huh? Yeah. To hear, to hear him say it himself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's clear, like super clear, that they had very different experiences, right? Like he, mm -hmm. Charles talks about an eye, like like a, I don't know, it's just crazy eye, right? And mm -hmm. 
Calvin didn't have that experience. He had the experience with the woman. Um, so the, first, it's just... the first thing that I kind of thought of when he was describing the eye was like the drone that was kind of going over Calvin, you know, looking at him when he was on the table mm-hmm. might have been the same thing. Oh, maybe. That's what I thought of, at least. I was like, oh, that's probably what was looking at Calvin, you know, taking pictures or looking at him or whatever. So, yeah, scanning maybe. him, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, could be. That's a good point. He could, they could have seen the same thing, just described it differently. Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, if you're wondering why Charles was being interviewed in 1975 and Calvin in 2018, it's because in the aftermath that we're literally about to get into, Calvin maintained that he had straight up blacked out and didn't remember any of it. But that was a lie because to have seen a UFO in the early 70s was enough to be known as a crackpot. To have a close encounter with an unidentified flying object would be social suicide. Can you imagine what people would say if they knew he had been straight up, straight up abducted? Hmm. Like he was only 19. He had his entire life ahead of him. Charles was 43 and Charles was like, fuck it. Thug life. Everybody's going to know what happened to me. Right. Yeah. Everybody. So he was out there giving interviews and stuff. And he was telling, you know, even before this, he was telling people about it. Mm-hmm. So that's why we haven't. Plus, Charles is no longer around. He he passed away, and uh, I forget the year. I'm not even gonna say because I don't want to get it wrong. Right. But yeah. Um. So yeah, he Charles spends a lot of time doing these interviews and, and telling people about what happened. And, and Calvin just wanted to be like, shut up, let yeah. me live my life away. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um. Like I said, directly after the encounter, uh, like straight up, once uh, they were talking about it, when they said the danger's gone, um, Charles and Calvin were sitting by the pier. And they had both agreed not to talk about it. Um, and after a few minutes talking amongst themselves, they got up and made the 15-minute walk back to Calvin's car, which was a 1973 Hornet. Hmm. And the Hornet is a hatchback, if you're not sure what it is. It's like an old-school-looking hatchback. Right. It used, it used to be called a Rambler, and then it became a Hornet. Anyways, um, when they got to the car, they noticed that the side that was facing the direction of the encounter had been damaged. And the windows were all smashed. And actually, when Charles opened the side door, um, the entire window just fell out. The whole thing just fell out. Hmm. And uh, Calvin says he actually still has that car. But um, yeah, still to this day. So to make things worse, when he went to start the car, it just wouldn't start. It it wouldn't crank at all. Mm -hmm. And it took like 15 minutes of trying to turn it on until it finally turned on. Um, They were headed back towards the apartment that they both stayed in. Um, I don't know what the living situation is, but I think... Calvin stayed with uh, Charles while they worked at the shipyard. I don't really know the arrangement there. It wasn't too clear, but okay. it says yeah. they both live at the same apartment and they were headed back. Right. But then Charles uh, tells Calvin to pull over at the corner so he could use the public phone and he wanted to make a call. Calvin's sitting in the car watching Charles talk on the phone and he's just like thinking about everything. He's just like assuming it's like he's talking to his wife or something and he's telling her what happened and he's just not worried about it because even though they agreed not to talk about it, he understood that he had to tell his wife, right? He, that's, yeah. You're going to tell your wife what happened. Right. However, what Charles did, Charles had gotten to the payphone and immediately called Keesler Air Force Base, which is located about half an hour to the west of where they had the encounter. <laughs> so Keesler Air Force Base, like it's about five minutes away from where I live. And when I first moved here, I delivered pizzas and for Pizza Hut. And I used to be able to get on to Keesler Air Force Base just to deliver pizzas to the soldiers that order food. So I've actually been on this base. Mm-hmm. And it's Keesler Air Force Base is a training base. Um, so along with tons of Air Force people, they have barracks for all the other branches of the military as well. Um, anyway, uh, I don't know 
if the number to the Air Force base was just something Charles knew by heart yeah. or, you know, this is 1973. There was a phone book in, in the phone booth. You know what I mean? Yeah, because that's that's very strange, though, that he. Yeah, that's the first number because Air Force, like there's not just like one general number that you can call on the Air Force. Base. Yeah, it's like exactly. there's so many different like, departments like. Hello, hello, Air Force Base. Yes, yes, I need the Air Force Base. Please get me the Air Force Base. You're talking to the Air Force Base. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah. So I think pretty sure there's just a phone book inside this phone booth. And I mean, there's a public phone, right? So back in the day, they had these phone books there and it's probably part of it. So mm-hmm. I, he, there must be like a phone number to the gate or to yeah. services or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure he didn't talk to anybody important. Yeah. Um, but when he did talk to them, uh, he managed to talk to somebody at Keesler. Uh, again, I don't know who, but unfortunately for Charles, Project Blue Book had been terminated in 1969, which is the government secret alien research. Right. Um, and it had been terminated in 1969. And since this was four years after that, they informed Charles that they no longer care about this type of shit. And they just told him to contact his local police. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Basically is what they just told him. Essentially it. Like, yeah. Oh, you had an alien encounter? They actually took you off the ship? Oh, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, it's basically just like, yeah, you know what? We, uh, we we used to know a guy who cared about the aliens, but uh, he's he's familiar with the fishes. (laughs) He stabbed himself 11 yeah. times in the back, threw himself off a bridge. Yeah, I don't know why they're like mafioso types anymore. Like, <laughs> this is the Air Force we're talking about. It's, it's the South. It's the 70s. That's why. Race riots. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> they're sitting there, right? After getting rejected by the Air Force, um, I'm not sure. It's not clear if Charles had hung up with the Air Force and then called the sheriff mm-hmm. or if Keesler took it upon themselves to call the sheriffs themselves and told them where to meet them. But uh, what happened was not too long after the phone call, as they were sitting in the car, a sheriff's car pulled up and walked over to Calvin's side since he was driving and asked us, asked the two men for ID and then said, you don't appear to be drinking. So why don't you follow us back to the sheriff's department? We want to talk to you about what happened. When they got inside, the sheriff's sorry, office. Sorry, that sounds sorry. That sounds ominous as fuck. Like maybe they're in on it. Maybe they were like, <laughs> just they're working with the aliens. Yeah, <laughs> with that voice, just by yeah. changing the tone of your the voice. Tone, yeah. <laughs> this goes all the way to the top. <laughs> top men. Top men. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's funny. Calvin makes it like in the in the the video I watched of him doing this interview. Um, he says that he's like, why do you want to talk to me? I didn't see nothing. I blacked out. Don't talk to me. Like, there's nothing to talk about. What are you talking about? There's nothing to yeah. talk about. Yeah, I didn't see aliens. They didn't abduct me. What are you talking about? Who are you? I didn't see shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, so so they took, uh, they followed, ended up going to the sheriff's office. Um, and then when they got there, Charles and Calvin were immediately separated and interrogated in a separate room. Mm-hmm. And then after they were done with that, uh, eventually they did put them both in the same room. And then the sheriffs left them alone for a few minutes while, you know, they told them they were going to sort through their story and make some phone calls and do what they got to do on their end as police officers. You know what I mean? But what they were doing, (laughs) what these people were doing was they left a recording device in the room. And uh, when they left that there, they were like, oh, these guys, when we leave them alone, they're going to talk to each other and be like, hey, so, all right, this is how the story goes, right? Like, they're going to be like, we trap them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to trap them to talk about their plan because these are just mischievous dudes who just want some fame. You know what I mean? So that was their plan. Uh, 
So uh, what they did get was, um, it's just, it's super incredible what they actually got and it actually adds to the credibility of this story. Mm-hmm. So I did try super hard to find a version of the hidden tape that I could use here, but there I couldn't. Well, I found the audio, but I couldn't use it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Here. So uh, instead, what we're going to do is Brian and I are going to read the transcript for you guys. Yeah. So Brian, you'll be Charles and I will be Calvin. All right. So I'm, I'm doing blue. You are blue. All right. Something like that just scare you slam to death you know jesus christ you, you hear about something like that but you can't believe it you just can't i know calvin i know you you reckon you reckon the united states could have something up there no I, i'm not sure what to believe i'm sure as hell i'd like to have a heart attack it scared me to death too son i'm just damn near crying right now the, the thing is so damn bad the thing that's so damn bad about it is nobody believes you I thought I had been through enough hell on this earth. And now I have to go through something like this? See? Can you you reckon why they just picked us up? I don't know. I don't know. I I gotta get home and go to bed or get some nerve pills or see the doctors or something. I, I can't stand it. I'm about all in pieces. I tell you, when we're through, I'll get you something to sell you down. Make sure you get some damn sleep. I... I, I can't sleep yet like it is. I'm just, I'm just damn near crazy. Well, Calvin, they brought you out of that damn thingy. They brought me out. Goddamn, I'd like to know how they got you straightened out, man. My damn arms, they hardly moved. My arms, they, they just froze up and I couldn't move. Just like I stepped on a damn rattlesnake. They didn't do me that way, though. They, oh, Lord have mercy. I passed out. I expect I never passed out in my whole life. I've never seen nothing like that before in my life. You can't make people believe in that, though. I don't want to sit here and... They better wake up and start believing. Damn right. They better start believing. You damn right. You know, I can't figure it out. Did you say how that damn door come right up? I don't know how it opened, son. I don't know how. And that bright light, I, and just like that in front of your very eyes, those sons of bitches, just like they come out. I know. You can't believe it, and you can't make people believe it. I paralyzed right there. I could not move. They gonna believe it one of these days. They gonna believe it one of these days. Might be too late. I knew all along there was people from all the worlds up there. I knew all along. Never thought it would happen to me. Now, you know yourself, I don't drink. I know that, son. When I get to the house, I'm gonna get me another drink. Makes me sleep. Look. What we sitting around for? Look, what we waiting on? I gotta go tell Blanche, son. I'll just say we had to leave. I gotta go to the house. I don't sit here being treated like a fool. I'm getting sick. I gotta go to the house. And scene. (laughs) Nice, man. Good job. That was good. Yeah, that's just like us. I think it was like half an hour of audio, and I think they released like three to five minutes or something, like a small portion of it. They didn't release the whole thing, but yeah. they, they genuinely thought like, oh, these dudes are just going to talk about how, okay, you now you say this, now I'll say this. Now when they come at us, this, you know, we got to tell them this is why we did it. But really they were just talking about their encounter together. Like they were just yeah. adding to it. And that's not at all what the sheriff's department was thinking there yet. Cause honestly, when they got there, the sheriff's department was like, ah, oh, so you fellas saw a UFO, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. We believe you son. 
you know. Just sit in this room and try not to talk about it together. (laughs) So they were a little condescending to them at first. And then after, they stayed in that room for a long while. And the sheriffs reviewed that tape, like, immediately. They played back the audio, like, right away. And then after that, um, they kind of came back in the rooms, like, all right, look, you guys go home, get some rest. I want to check back with you in the morning, make sure you guys are all right. Mm -hmm. And, like, to see if they had remembered anything else. So, like, immediately... Uh, I think the chef's sheriff's name was Fred Diamond. Like this dude, as soon as he heard this audio, because like I said, he was sure that these dudes were, you know, just making, making shit yeah. up and yeah. pulling and their so chain. He heard them. I don't know what else is on the tape that they were talking about, but he must have heard some shit. That was like, oh, you guys get some rest. You know, we're, we we're gonna check on you. Make sure you guys are all right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's just interesting. Like the the local authorities immediately. This is Southern Mississippi in the seventies. I mean, people. If you watch a couple. Uh, alien or the abduction videos on this some people talk about it uh you don't you don't talk about aliens in the south in the 70s you know you just you're a crackpot you know what i mean you, yeah. you lose all credibility your social life it's social suicide type of thing yeah, yeah so the fact that these authority figures these sheriff uh guys believed them right away is it's really interesting to say the least right so when the two men finally made it back to their apartment, uh, Calvin had told Charlie that he was concerned about having an alien virus because uh, he had seen that the astronauts that came back from the Apollo's missions, um, they had been quarantined for seven days to make sure they didn't come back with any kind of alien viruses, right? Um, so they were quarantined for seven days. So he was concerned about himself because he had direct contact with them. Yeah. Not, not only that, but he was crazy worried about radiation because uh, Calvin's father worked for the Atomic Energy Commission. So what Calvin did was he he went to his room and he used his personal bathroom and Calvin used a whole gallon of bleach, right? He filled he filled up the whole bathtub with like scalding hot water and then poured the bleach in the tub and then he would pour the bleach all over his head and all over his entire body. Jesus. And he would just he just got to scrubbing the shit out of his body and I mean everywhere everywhere damn. damn he should have just got some like ivermectin and drank that shit <laughs> right that's what that everyone else wore. is doing yeah that's how it works right that's exactly how it works don't question the science yeah don't question nothing go so <laughs> <laughs> after his bath uh this bleach scalding hot water bath um he had put every bit of clothing he was wearing during the encounter in a paper bag and he threw that entire paper bag with his shoes socks like everything he was wearing uh inside you know those big apartment dumpsters that like communal dumpsters oh yeah 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 he just went out and threw all of the stuff he was wearing away so that no one else would get infected it wasn't a paper bag though yeah i mean he, that'll that'll keep out the radiation <laughs> you, you really thought it through yeah well, I mean, uh, again, it was a very traumatizing experience. Yes, yes. I don't imagine like, he was going to be in his right mind anyway. No, not for a long while, I would think. This really tore Calvin up. And he was 19 at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, Charles was 43. So Charles was kind of like, yeehaw. Like, let's tell the story. Yeah, but Calvin was like, no. <laughs> He's, no. <laughs> he just, <laughs> just said no. So as it turns out, Charles and Calvin were not the only people to see something strange that day. Uh, to start the day, there was um, a 12-year-old kid who lived about 100 miles north of Pascagoula, where the incident took place. And this kid had seen a bright orange light pass slowly over his house uh, over the course of about 15 minutes or so. And this light was slowly heading south towards the Gulf Coast. And this was on the same night, correct? Well, the same day, early in the day, maybe uh, maybe an hour or so before, something okay. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So then again, in Loosedale, which is just a few miles north of Pascagoula, a young woman had seen a, a strange light passing over her house as well. Um, she had gone outside to let her dogs out in her backyard. And this woman was maybe 19 at the time, 20, something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, she remembers the, the light was hovering over her house and then passing slowly as well, heading south still towards the, the waters of the, the um, Gulf Coast, yeah, the yeah. Gulf of Mexico out there. And uh, so she saw this light just like the 12-year-old the kid did. And um, then we get to the actual location of the uh, abduction. And so this, the area of the abduction is actually quite open. It's, it's not like hidden by trees or anything. It's actually just like a bank of a river. It's pretty open. And so right next to it, there is a shipyard like right there. And I think they build smaller boats. But there was a uh, crane operator who was working at the time. Um, because this was about eight, eight o'clock at night, something like that. This happened, mm -hmm. and uh, so the crane operator, um, he he says he saw a blue light near the water, right? And while he was looking in the direction of where Calvin and Charles were fishing, um, the crane operator told his buddy he was he, that they, he was working with, uh, "Hey, there's a weird light over there. You know, there's a blue crazy light. It's weird looking." Um, yeah. But his coworker just laughed it off because again, 70s Mississippi, seeing UFOs is crazy. Yeah. Right. So they just laughed it off. So he thought nothing of it. He's just kind of like, I better leave this alone. I know what I saw, but I, I got to leave this alone. Right. So on the opposite side of the river uh, where I was standing, um, a lady was dropping off her husband uh, so he can get to. He worked on a boat, so she was dropping him off. But the captain wasn't there yet. Um, so they stayed in the car and the husband decided he's going to take a nap because um, he, he knew he's probably going to be up all night. I don't know if he's a fisherman or what, but he probably knew when he gets on the boat, they're going to be working nonstop and probably be up all night. So he's like, I'm going to take, right. I'm going to catch a few winks. And the wife was like, uh, sure. You know, right. I'm going to, I'm going to sit here. And my wife was like, I'm just going to sit here playing on my phone mm -hmm. while you take a nap. <laughs> in the seventies, <laughs> playing on her phone. Yeah. Just kidding. This is the seventies. She just kind of looked up at the stars and stared. And that's yeah. It. <laughs> I was going to be like playing on her phone. Like, well, those big ass, one of those fucking rotary phones. Like, yeah. <laughs> and this is the circle. <laughs> the circle over and over again. Yeah. yeah so this is the seventies. She just kind of stared up at the stars and that's, I don't know what else she could do. That's literally all the options she has is just to do that. Yeah. So when she was looking up at the stars though, um, she noticed the light coming from Gaucher, which is the town directly to the west of Pascagoula. Mm -hmm. um, and she noticed that, that this bright blue light, as it got closer, it also got much brighter. And like she's, she's maybe 300 yards away from them. Like she's directly across the way, like kind of at an angle, but she's directly across the way at an angle at three by 300 yards away. Yeah. And so she could see this pretty clearly. Like that's, like I said, there's nothing to like stop there's, there's nothing in the way of what she was seeing, right? It's just wide open. Um, so like I said, she saw this bright blue light coming closer and it got brighter and brighter. And finally she saw it hover on the west bank directly across from her. And then a bright square white light appeared on the side of the craft. And after a few seconds, the bright light just shut off and everything was dark. But as she looked towards the craft, she woke up her husband. And then they both heard a loud splash um, so they're like, oh shit, what was that? So they got out of the car and walked towards the boat he was supposed to uh, work on. And so he left his clothes there to tell his boss, like if he showed up, like, hey, my clothes are here, I'm here, don't go anywhere, right? So then they left the clothes there and then they decided to go investigate whatever made the loud splash. When they got to the water, the woman happened to look down and noticed a figure floating just beneath the surface of the water. And she could make out that this being had no neck and had pinchers for hands. 
She says she saw this thing below the water for just a split second and then it was gone. So it's the same when she saw drawings that uh, Calvin had mm-hmm. described. She's like, yeah, that's what I saw like a couple inches below the surface of the water. That's very interesting of a description that obviously like the white triangle rectangle would be like a seem like it would be a door opening up on this craft and then they would be jumping out into the water. Um, at least that's the the image that comes to my mind. But mm-hmm. it's weird that these alien robot creatures would be just that would be like their method of like deploying like into the water jumping there first instead yeah. of just like being land like landfall you know like they would just land on somewhere nearby the bank mm-hmm. and then just exit that way like why the water first you know yeah i mean like you said the pinchers like maybe they are from an aquatic planet but, yeah maybe that's just kind of like their that's very interesting that's that's super yeah. interesting. so um after this whole event life continued on for the two men and Charles decided he really wanted to tell the whole world, like tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. So Charles wrote a book and Charles went on talk shows and radio shows and did like UFO convention circuits uh, for a little while. Uh, but like I said, Calvin was determined not to say a word to anyone. And he, Calvin just wanted to live his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems that no matter what, people would recognize him and try to bring it up or get information out of him. Right. Uh, Calvin ended up getting fired from the shipyard because... Believe me, it's kind of ridiculous how fast word can travel through a place filled to the brim with toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dudes that work at shipyards gossip like little girls. Like, it's it's nuts. Like, yeah. it's, they gossip all day, considering these are ragged, like, rough men. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. it's really... <laughs> Desperate housewives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also just kind of like any, any kind of... Any job, really. This gossip yeah. is just really... One of the many things in any industry, you're going to find it no matter yeah, where you I go. I think what I'm trying to say is like, it's surprising to see these grown ass strong men who work with metal and weld all day yeah. gossip like little girls. Oh yeah. So because these dudes couldn't shut the fuck up about it and they would cause a scene every time they saw Calvin, um, the shipyard had decided to let Calvin go. And this would happen over and over again for a long time. Every time he would move uh, to a different job or somebody somebody would recognize him no matter where he went and the cycle would just continue. That sucks. Yeah. So this just haunted him. So, I mean, I, it sucks. Like, he just wants anonymity, but he's not getting it. Oh, yeah. So, Calvin, though, he would stay in the area. And 20 years after his initial encounter, Calvin had taken a day trip to nearby Cat Island to go fishing. He told his wife he would be back before it got dark. Um, so his wife had fixed him a lunch and he decided when he got to Cat Island, he was just gonna eat that lunch around 11 a.m. Um, because he was waiting for the tide to change, yeah. right? So he pulls up his lunch and he pulls out the food and he grabs a drink and he sits down to eat. Again, this was 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. When he had sat down to eat his lunch, he looked up and realized it was dark out. He checked the time. And it was now 3 a.m. the next day. That sounds super familiar. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly and, what happened to Ilkley Moore. Yeah, so in the blink of an eye, he lost 16 hours of unaccounted time. Mm-hmm. 16 hours without even realizing. He, like, sat down, looked up, and it was dark. Like, that's... But not... Dude, not only that, bro. He could not account for all the blood that appeared on his shirt and all over him. There was uh-huh. blood all over him. Shit. And, Another weird thing is that the cooler he brought with him to put all the fish he caught, it was full. 
but he never actually had time to go fishing. You know, he doesn't remember it anyway. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't remember catching any of them, but his cooler was full of fish. Hmm. So when he got back to the, oh, sorry, go. No, 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 sorry. Like, I kind of want to see where this goes before I kind of okay. interject. So yeah, this is this is a gnarly story. So um, when he got back to the truck, there was a note on his windshield that read, baby, I'm gonna call the Coast Guard. Where are you? So like he's 16 hours, he was gone. He was supposed to be back before dinner. Mm-hmm. And his wife found his truck and left the note. But um, so the next day after he'd gotten home real early in the morning, uh, one of his friends had come over and Calvin admits to this guy that he had lost a bunch of time. Um, and his this friend happens to know a guy who had just finished writing a book about lost time. Mm, very convenient. Fucking convenient, right? Mm, what a yeah. coinkadink. Right. So anyway, this guy's friend, uh, his name was Bud Hopkins, and he was giving a talk at a UFO convention in Florida somewhere. So they drove down the couple hours and uh, they met Bud at his hotel room. And then when they met him, Calvin agreed to let Bud hypnotize him. And then Calvin also agreed to let Bud record the whole thing on his video camera. Okay. So first thing, let's talk about this kind of encounter. Um, so he's 11 a.m. He's about to eat some lunch. You know, he's got PBJ. He's probably going to drink a beer or something, waiting for the tides to go down. Mm-hmm. And then he blacks out, and then he wakes up, and it's 3 a.m., covered in blood with a, with a cooler full of fish. Right. So this is so strange to me for a couple of reasons. The cooler full of fish, so it's like one is why or how you know that's anyone's question how did that get filled was he just unconscious the entire time he was fishing did he catch those fish or was he actually abducted and just doesn't remember it and then his captors filled it with fish to make him believe he was fishing like to <laughs> kind of like extra steps <laughs> yeah it's like we didn't abduct you you were here the whole time and then the don't, second thing is like the blood on his the shirt blood. yeah don't worry about the blood yeah <laughs> it's, you were there you just got a nosebleed like <laughs> there's no aliens it's just a very very strange story there's a lot of things that it's like the the whole cooler full of fish thing is one thing that i okay. just trying to figure out but let's so, see what uh, let's see right. what the hypnotism says hold hold on to that thought of it's a strange story okay because mm-hmm. uh woo. <laughs> so okay so he, he meets bud he meets he meets <laughs> he meets bud at the hotel room and he's about to go under hypnosis right and they're recording this whole thing this is yeah, a yeah. setup right so this is what happened the first thing Bud did was take Calvin back to the original abduction in 1973, like in his mind, I mean. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and through this, Calvin was able to remember the tag number of a car that had been parked. Uh, it was two teenagers nearby, and the teenagers had parked so they could make out and stuff. And then when the blue lights came around, they pulled a William Orr and got the fuck out of there. <laughs> I survive horror stories. Yeah, so do these two lovebirds. Yeah. So eventually, uh, Bud did get around to pulling information out about what happened on Cat Island on that day. Like, what happened to those 16 hours. And right. this, this is what happened, according to this hypnotic state that he's in. Okay, here we go. This is what he's remembering. Yeah, this is what okay. he's remembering. Uh, so eventually Bud got around to pulling information out, right? And uh, what happened was Calvin had fallen asleep after his lunch. And then the same beings had come back to get him. Uh, this time, things were a little This is 11 a.m. though, broad daylight, okay, yeah, yeah. first mm-hmm. of all. And uh, so he fell asleep 
and the aliens came back. This time things were a little different. Calvin had a whole different feeling about the entire thing and he says, I know this bitch, I know her. She's here to kill me this time. And he found out he said this through hypnosis, right? So he didn't know that he had said this until it was pulled out of his memories. So then she went back to finger his throat again. Lots of fingers. <laughs> All right. Wow. Okay. And so Calvin thinks they had inserted some kind of tracker in him 20 years ago, and they were here to retrieve that tracker. He's not sure if it's like a actual location tracker or like if it monitored his vitals mm-hmm. and stuff like that. He has no idea, but they, that's what he he gets the feeling that's what's happening, that she's here to retrieve that tracker to get 20 years of information. Yeah. So Calvin at this point, again, uh, he started choking. So he had enough of these aliens bullshit. And then he keeps calling her a bitch, right? So when the bitch alien started choking him with her long ass fuck fingers, <laughs> he decided he was going to pull her fingers out of him. And when he finally got them out, he grabbed that bitch's head and started bashing her head against the mirror. He did it. He did it so hard. She started bleeding out of her ears, like, and her blood got all over him along with his own blood. But he says her blood is like black, like ooze of some kind, like just black blood, like an oil sludge type of thing. Yeah. 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 It's like thick blackness. Yeah, Yeah. And, um, so while this is happening, she was able to call the robotic creature over to help her. But if Calvin could, he had every intention of grabbing that bitch by the throat and jumping out of the craft while holding on to her so he could bring her back with him for proof. Mm. He says he was ready to die because he was tired of being bullied by these aliens. So one way or another, he was going to handle this bitch. Mm-hmm. Before he could act, he hears the same as the first time, and he is again paralyzed. And all he can move is his eyes, and he can see that this alien biatch is furious. And she comes over and starts scratching at his eyelids and eyebrows. And for some reason, he can tell that this alien bitch is evil, like really evil. Mm-hmm. And she continues to scratch around his eyes and make him bleed. And he can feel her rummaging around his head like telepathically. But she's not talking to him. She's just kind of downloading his thoughts. And finally, she says, You, <laughs> you are not going to be a daily danger to us. <laughs> And Calvin is like, I, I don't okay. remember. Okay, I don't remember how I did the last voice, but that's what I remember. <laughs> She's that's the what voice from now. <laughs> Alien bitch's voice. You are not gonna be any danger to us. And Calvin is like, okay, first of all, two things: us, and also like, who is us? And secondly, I didn't realize I was a danger to y'all. You are no longer a threat to us. How threatening, right? (laughs) I think if you put that voice to like an alien face, it would be. Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then all of a sudden, when she yells this at him telepathically, of course, um, a bright light shines on Calvin. And the alien bitch, she seems genuinely terrified of this light. And the light is showing Calvin all kinds of things, things that have yet to pass, things that could be. And and he is learning all kinds of things he could have never imagined in all his life. Mm -hmm. And all the while, the alien bitch is trying to get away from this light because according to Calvin, the the light that's shining on him is answering his question. According to the light, Calvin can see things, can see these beings in the future, like it's showing him uh, it shows like imagery of the beings possessing and taking over people's bodies. But Calvin can tell who is possessed 
and he knows how to defeat them. And now he feels empowered. Calvin is a threat because he can see them for what they really are. And he sees that this alien bitch is really evil, right? <laughs> so that's okay. This is fucking wild. All right. So like a, a beam of light comes from out of nowhere into the ship. Is it coming from the ship and beams onto him? Uh, is it coming through the ship? Is it coming from the sky? Uh, these are all great questions that I don't have the answers to. The power of Christ compels him. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of. And that is, that is the kind of sense that I get that this is like a holier. Yeah, it's like a sense of, of good. Uh, uh, right. Yeah, like a benevolent being, like taking like, mercy on him. Yeah, the way that it, it's told and the way I heard it, um, it kind of made it seem like it was a uh, God persevering type of thing right. over evil. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that's all I could find from uh, the regression that they recorded, right? So mm -hmm. that's pretty much that's pretty much the end of the story yeah, yeah. Um, of the alien abduction. That's, uh, I mean, Brian, like, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, have, have you heard this story before? Do you believe <laughs> these two men? Um, so let's, well, let's talk about it. So the yeah. first thing is, it sounds eerily familiar to uh, the Ilkley Moore incident. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, a person was abducted, you know, onto a ship and mm -hmm. there was unaccounted time that mm -hmm. passed. He just doesn't know what happened. He blacked out. Um, and then, you know, there was a light showing him things that were going to happen in the future. Yeah, because didn't the aliens in Ilkley show him like two movies? Yeah, there were like two sort of films or like uh, mm -hmm. two separate imagery uh, you know, things saying that the the future is going to be playing like panning out in this sort of way and then in this case you know he's saying like i can see who the evil ones are they're taking mm. over and possessing the bodies which is very strange that this is the kind of this is what he claims to have seen mm. because it sounds like he's using this as kind of like a way to i mean this is in the south in the 70s so mm. you have a very well, very strong well, this, like religious this, connection well this story as it's told um what he, that he remembers um, so the second abduction was in 93 and the, oh, yeah. uh, the regression was either later that year or 94. Right. So things have happened in those past 20 years that produce this kind of imagery. You know what I mean? So the right. 70, the 73 abduction was a little bit more innocent and it was more believable because there wasn't as much fanciful stuff out there for you to consume. Yeah. And in the nineties, mid nineties, it definitely was. Right. And I think, you know, because at that point he's lived life a little bit more. He was, what, 19 when he first got, first got abducted? abducted? Yeah, so the second one, would be, he'd be about 39, 40. Yeah, so he's lived a considerable amount of time. He sees, you know, he's lived life. He, he can see, you know, the difference between good and evil. And it's really interesting that he's like, this person was evil, this person was evil, when he never got that first impression in the very beginning. Yeah, it changes so, dramatically from we're not going to hurt you to this bitch is here to kill me and he yeah. gets that feeling yeah and that's the very weird thing too is that now it's a very a very violent encounter um and that he somehow is able to remember through hypnosis that he can see like he was shown like the evil people in his life and he can mm -hmm. determine who they are and how to defeat them it just seems it's it's a very far-fetched idea and i just think it's a lot he's leaning into his experience now because he can't mm -hmm. escape it. I mean, 
you know, he, he's been dealing with this pretty much for the better part of 20 years. He's lost jobs over it. And so he's like, at this point, he said, fuck it. I'm just going to go full force with it. I, there's no way I can get away from it. I'm yeah. just going to lean into it. And then he's just, he comes up with a fanciful story. I don't believe it. I'm not buying it. Um, is Was there an, an initial alien abduction in the 70s? I can't say for sure, but I don't think there was. I don't so think this, there was. This first part's questionable uh, as to thing, but the second part, definitely not, right? Correct. Yeah. The first okay. part is there might be some credibility to it. They may have seen something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, the second general part, consensus, uh, even all the people that have interviewed him, and I think even Bud Hopkins, um, I'm pretty sure it was him who said it. It might have been someone else who has studied them because there's been a lot of people who are interested in this from all over the world. Yeah. And actually, the um, the lady who I talked to, who was like his uh, manager type of person, yeah. she says that people in the UK, like British people, fucking love this guy and his story. Like they are all about it. Like British people love this UFO stuff over here, especially this one. So, you know, um, they, they've all said that whether something did or did not happen, Calvin believes that it did wholeheartedly. Yeah. So to him, it's real and whether or not it's factual and, um, real is, is not like literally he says, she'll even tell you, like, she doesn't care. You believe him or not. He knows what he knows. You know what I mean? He right. he believes it all day. He he believes what happened to him happened. Right. You know, yeah. and that's I mean, up to you whether to believe him, I guess. Yeah, and that's the thing is like it's it's very hard to to take someone at face value when they say stuff like that because you can convince yourself of literally anything if yeah. you repeat it enough. And that's the thing. If you continually convince yourself that you like you're this or this or this then it becomes a reality for you. And so he's probably lived his entire life telling and retelling the story mm-hmm. that it's now a reality and that he yeah. does fully believe what he has experienced is real. The people, the people I talked to who do know him and uh, other people that they've talked to, you know, says that his story, when, once he started telling it, his story never changed. Yeah. His story never changed. It's, it has maintained all the same facets and main points, you know, yeah. uh, of different stuff. And, um, he says that he himself because people have written about this and people have mm-hmm. had access to entire tapes of um the regression the entire tape of mm-hmm. the sheriff the hidden sheriff thing so these people have listened to it and have written about it yep. and he says that calvin's wife has read and heard all of these accounts yep. but he refuses to and what calvin's wife finds interesting is that he'll remember something mm-hmm. and she'll be like oh that was in the book how would the book and you have the same knowledge you know what I mean? If, yeah, I if mean, keep, keeping the story straight. I mean, yeah. continuity. So, right. yeah, I mean, there are people that can definitely keep a story straight for a long amount of time. It doesn't mean, I mean, it. he didn't include, like, his second encounter, obviously because it didn't happen yet, but it's just something that just kind of is added on to the story. I mean, for the longest time, he can, he can keep up with the same story and tell it over and over again mm-hmm. um, until the point where he actually does believe it's real so that's what i honestly believe i think this is what i think i think that calvin and charles may have seen something or may have experienced something i don't know about having an actual encounter may happen have happened i think they saw something and they were trying to rationalize it um and then things just kind of rolled and snowballed into something else um until it became sort of a a myth or like a a folklore tale and then Mm -hmm. At that point, they kept on repeating it over and over to the point where they believe it's a real story. And they just continued that kind of story 
even though they do full-heartedly believe that's what happened, maybe they're just exaggerating events that happened initially in the first place. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of theories that go along with that. But uh, when I went to the park that I visited after work where this happened, right, mm-hmm. uh, they had actually put up a plaque to commemorate this. Um, yeah. So I'll post a picture of what it says on our socials. I took a picture of it. Um, along with the picture of the opposite bank and where the abduction actually happened. But this is what the plaque says, okay? It says, It was the evening of October 11th, 1973, when two local shipyard workers went fishing. Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker had picked their spot on the west bank of the East Pascagoula River between the railroad and Highway 90 bridge. As dusk fell, a buzzing sound alerted them to a football-shaped craft hovering behind them. Out of the craft glided three creatures who carried them back into the space vehicle. Parker fell unconscious and Hickson was paralyzed, quote-unquote. Inside the craft, Hickson was examined by robotic eye, then both men were deposited back on the riverbank and the spaceship shot away. The men promptly reported the encounter to the Jackson County Sheriff's Department, a secretly made recording legal at the time, they put that in parentheses. Mm-hmm. When the men were alone, confirmed they were terrified and had no intention of deception. The next day, they were transported to Keesler Air Force Base where they were interviewed and received a negative check for radiation. Subsequently, Hickson passed the lie detector test as word flashed through, through the news. Hordes of unidentified flying object investigators descended on Jackson County. One of these was Dr. J. Allen Hynek, professor of astronomy at Northwestern University and a leading UFO expert in America. He went to Pascagoula and interviewed the men, concluding, quote, these men have had a very real frightening experience they are absolutely honest they have had a fantastic experience hickson even appeared on the dick cavett show a popular late night tv talk show and in an interest in the event went worldwide over the years multiple magazine articles and two full-length books have told the story there are plenty of theories about the occurrence ranging from hoax to hypnagogic reverie which is semi-awake dreaming to a true encounter Regardless, it remains the best documented case of alien abduction, particularly since there is a secret tape involved and not one, but two witnesses. Interesting. Yeah, so hypnagogic, uh, from what I understand, is that one person was like lucidly uh, dreaming mm-hmm. um, and, you know, um, seeing stuff, hallucinating maybe, and somehow he it's almost like folia do right when yeah. one person goes crazy they can convince someone else to go crazy with them so it's kind of like that so maybe hickson uh who is suspected to have been drinking or not drinking it's unclear mm-hmm. uh so he's possibly drunk um maybe he went into some kind of hallucinogenic state uh and started having these lucid imagery things mm-hmm. happening to him and he roped calvin into, into his uh, delusion right into delusion which which happens like people get sick and then uh what's that phenomenon called where someone gets sick mass, mass, delusion. Mass, mass delusion hysteria right yeah so kind of like that that's kind yeah. of essentially what they're saying happened hickson experienced these alien abduction in his head mm-hmm. and calvin became part of it yeah he he kind of bought into it he's just yeah. uh i i think it's entirely possible um i mean we've been certainly been seeing a lot more recent examples of mass delusion. <laughs> <laughs> January 6th. <coughs> <laughs> Even more recent than that. Like literally right now is happening. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, they, you know, it's, it's certainly possible, um, you know, that th- there could be 
there's certainly a lot more questions that need to be answered. I mean, there, it does bring up a lot of questions, uh-huh. um, but we can't say for sure if it's real or not. And that's why I, I love about stuff like this is that you just don't know for sure. Right. Do I believe in the existence of aliens? Absolutely. I think they do exist. I, it would be, I would think it would be foolish not to believe that there yeah. are other species in the universe, but whether or not they encounter us or have visited us in the past or present is that's a part where I'm kind of a little bit skeptical and I don't believe this is a, a, a factual account of that happening. Yeah. And we, we touched on this early in the episode, but uh, another thing that's been on my mind, uh, cause I've heard other podcasts about this cause I was curious um, if people would have the same conversation I did with the lady mm-hmm. or with anyone else they know. Um, so I did hear a few other podcasts talk about this um, and some YouTube videos and whatnot. Um, but it is a common joke it's a very obvious joke too. Um, why would aliens choose to, to uh, choose to abduct two construction workers who are fishing and from Mississippi of all places? Like, <laughs> right. like the insinuation that Mississippi people are not worth abducting because they are dumb rednecks or whatever. Yeah. And I'm sure that may be true for some people out here. I'm not going to say it's not, <laughs> but, um, but the abductions might not be about the people. Right. It might not be about who it is. Uh, the two men who were abducted worked at a different shipyard than I do, but at the shipyard that I work at, which is literally like a minute or two up the road, mm-hmm. um, the we build state-of-the-art Navy ships, yeah. and perhaps they're interested in these giant vehicles of destruction to see how good our technology is and how capable our defenses are. Like maybe they're as a kind of scouting to see if we are actually a threat to this otherworldly species. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe they're trying to search for information because they were so near to this place. Yeah. And that's know? kind of something that we were talking about a little that's bit. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Like, that's what I was know, saying. That's what's with, bothering me because these other podcasts, like I said, they, they make fun of the dumb Mississippi folk. Yeah, it's, it it's might not trope. be about the people. Right. Mm-hmm. It might not be about the people. Cause like I said, a minute from where this happened, there's mm-hmm. weapons of mass destruction being built. Yeah. You know, and the best Navy in the world. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? If we were to take like the account of this one, Ilkley Moore, Rendlesham, again, we've, we touched on this at the very beginning, but there always seems to be an area of interest nearby, like some sort of military um, Montauk project. Yeah. There's always some sort of, uh, you know, some strange, you know, sightings and things happening in this area. Um, the one that I kind of wanted to touch on, like um, that I wish you guys would probably touch on would be, I can't remember the name of it, but I did mention it in the Oakley Moore mm-hmm. episode, but there was like a communications base, like right near it. I think it's mm-hmm. called men with Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's another uh, sighting hotspot for like a lot of strange lights in the sky. Um, and again, like, yeah, maybe it's not like that these these entities or whoever, whatever, are actually looking for people. But maybe, again, like you mentioned, it's just like there are areas of interest nearby and these guys just happen to be there. Maybe they know something about yeah. these. Because uh, if you, you think know. about the, the wording that uh, Calvin said, like, like she was downloading his thoughts, like she was just like searching his brain for yeah. information. And that's something that we've heard also in Rendlesham, too, is like they were downloading information into his brain mm-hmm. sort of thing. So, Oh, that's right. With that book. Yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. it's it's a very it's a very common uh, very common trope to you know hear and see things like that. But who knows, man? Like you know, maybe there is an element to truth of it, and that's what's mm-hmm. really interesting is we all will never really know the truth. Yeah. Uh, further point, just my last little point here before we end up uh, wrap things up. Mm-hmm. You were saying that uh, later on the second uh, abduction was less likely. Um, there are a lot of people who say that people who came forward, uh, like witnesses, didn't really come forward until. What, 40 years later something like that and that was after the books came out um after the description of what happened was told to the world these people came out of the woodwork i'm not saying they're lying i'm just saying it's 
another is, convenient thing that happened. Right. So these for the witnesses of the first abduction or the second one? The first one. The first one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So no one, I mean, no one witnessed the second one. The second one is all Calvin. Oh, gotcha. So it's just his account. So the first right. one, it's just yeah, that's just another one of those one of those things where it's just like Oh yeah, by the way, I was there that night. Yeah, it's you know, this is what I remember. Yeah. So yeah. it just kind of, you know, does it it's just one of those things. But who knows, man? Who knows? Yeah. So uh hey man, thanks for not leaving me alone and <laughs> filling in for Will. I appreciate that. Yeah. Man. No, great story, by the way, man. That yeah, was really, thanks. really cool. I really right? liked it. Was, it. it was like I was really having fun with this because like I said, I got some uh secondhand accounts from yeah. people who actually know the guy who this happened to so nice. it, i got some and i was like i said able to physically see where this happened and feel it for myself so i put a lot of energy into this one because yeah, it was put, just put in the legwork man yeah so That's this awesome. was just a fun one to do so uh, it was really nice Hell to yeah. have you as mysterious circumstances you know i appreciate <laughs> you coming on the show um yeah, go man, out thanks for this time don't go out the window <laughs> that's right yeah that's right yeah. um also if you guys uh listening out there uh be sure to follow my instagram and facebook page drex the barber i'm uh, going to be going on some insane adventures perhaps maybe um and you know to becoming a world-class barber so you if you guys want to follow mm-hmm. um i'll be yeah. doing some uh some posts there so you can uh you know follow me and see how my barbering thing is going um but yeah thanks again octavi for having me yeah. back on the show yeah. it's really, really anytime cool. man hopefully we'll have you again soon for some other stuff but uh don't forget to follow us at bloodthirsty times uh socials facebook instagram comment leave stuff if you have questions ask them i'll answer um leave an email at bloodthirstypod at gmail um, and we will see you next week if I don't, if I have power. Power might go out soon. Uh, yeah, so. Hurricane Ida is on the way, so be careful out there, man. Thanks, man. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>